Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. preaching to start a year than with Psalm 107. It's the first psalm of book five of the psalms. So it's a psalm with great status and it leads to the end of the psalms. 150 is the final psalm. So 17 to 150 is the fifth book of the psalms. So we're looking at the first psalm of the final book. And that's very appropriate, I think, as the year begins to, to look at this psalm. It's so graphic and uh, colourful and experienced of God and prayer. Uh, so we've got a treat before us. And we won't look at every aspect of the psalm or all of the text, but I would suggest it becomes a psalm for the year. And perhaps we'll preach on it before Christmas as the year comes to an end as well. Uh, when we read a psalm like this, sometimes we think uh, God always answers prayer quickly and deliverance comes quickly. But that wasn't Israel's experience, and it's certainly not the experience of the Psalms. Uh, we end the Psalms with triumph. Psalm 150 is praise the Lord, praise the Lord, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. But the journey from 1 to 150 and triumph is long, hard, and slow. Um, so as we speak from Psalm 107 tonight, we don't imagine that uh, it's a quick fix necessarily uh, as we seek the Lord's guidance, Uh, but a time of waiting and trusting and seeing how God's deliverance works out in our lives, uh, that was Israel's experience. Uh, This psalm itself is an answer to prayer. Uh, The prayer is uttered in the previous psalm, 106, verse 47, "'Save us, Lord our God, gather us from the nations.'" so that we might give thanks to your holy name. And that's what this psalm describes, the answer to that prayer. Save us, gather us, bring us home. Psalm 107 is about God bringing his people home. And throughout the psalm, he sends out his healing word. Uh, He leads people to a city that is habitable, where there's water and flourishing and produce. Uh, It's about coming home to God. He finds his people, he gathers his people, he leads his people home. So Psalm 107 probably, uh, in its initial context, is thinking about Israel's exile as people all over the empire away from their home. And their north and their south and their east and their west and they're on the oceans and they're in the deserts and they're all over the place. Uh, They want to come home home to God, home to a habitation that's safe and peaceful. And that's what God does in 107. Uh, But they've waited for this. This is a prayer. That exile went on for 70 years for some, much, much longer for others. Um, So when we pray, uh, we wait and we trust. And that's what Israel has learnt to do. Psalm 107 has a sense of desperation about it. People are at the end of their tether. 
they're desperately in need, they're helpless. And so we have four scenarios where helpless people seek the Lord. And uh, that helplessness is something I'm sure we have all experienced. Uh, we've been praying, we've been waiting, we're feeling helpless. Uh, Israel has experienced that, the people of God throughout history. In verses 4 to 9, some are wandering, they're lost in a desert. They're hungry and thirsty. Uh, there's no escape, it seems. There's no home. That's the first scenario in 4 to 9. In 10 to 16, uh, some are in darkness, in chains, in prison. They're alone, they're exhausted, and it feels as though life is over, 10 to 16. In 17 to 22, uh, because of their sinfulness, some are sick, uh, they're dying, they're weak, they feel guilty and afflicted, they wish their lives would come to an end, 17 to 22. And then in 23 to 32, some are sailing on the ocean, they're being tossed in storms, they're terrified on the wild seas, and... Uh, it feels like it's helpless that their lives are coming to an end. Uh, the four scenarios are all beautifully portrayed in the psalm and worthy of us just sitting with and visualising, perhaps doing some art from it or some poetry. Uh, but one echoes four, wandering in a desert lost in the ocean. Two echoes three, alone in prison, sick and weak and dying. Uh, and so these have echoes and reverberations one through the other. In each scene, there is a pattern that came out very nicely as we read tonight. Uh, and this is what Israel's learnt. Uh, this is a simple pattern for life. This is what Israel has learned. And this is the way the psalm unfolds with four repetitions. Here's the pattern. People are feeling helpless can't save themselves, they can't change the circumstance. They cry out to the Lord. The second thing that happens, feeling helpless, what do they do? They cry out. They pray, they cry out. This reminds us of Exodus uh, many times in Judges, Jesus in Gethsemane, crying out. Uh, we need to pay attention to the crying out of scripture, people cry out to the Lord when they have come to the end of their own resource. What does the Lord do? Uh, he rescues them, uh, sends out his word to heal, guides them, finds them, leads them, delivers them, hears their prayer, answers them. And then what do they do? They give thanks. So here's the fourfold pattern for life when you're feeling helpless, cry out to the Lord. Wait for his deliverance and then give thanks. Helplessness, crying out, waiting for deliverance, giving thanks. I reckon in our lives we live through that pattern hundreds and hundreds of times. Not just for our own experience of life, but for our children and grandchildren, family, neighbours and friends, for nations, for places of poverty and injustice. We see the helplessness we cry out, we wait for the Lord's deliverance, and then we give thanks. Uh, 
And following on from the psalm, there's then a hymn to the God who turns things upside down um, from verse uh, 33 onwards. And then there's a conclusion, a warning. And the warning is, let the one who is wise heed these things. In other words, pay attention to what Psalm 107 says and live that way. Ponder the loving deeds of the Lord. So not everybody chooses to trust in the Lord and wait on the Lord. But Israel discovered that if they would, the Lord will deliver them. They would wait until they receive his deliverance. Why does God behave this way? Well, the profound three verses at the start are the ones that perhaps we know most well and love. And let's attend to them for a few moments. Uh, 107, 1, 2 and 3. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Uh, in the older versions, it was, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Those he redeemed from the hand of the enemy. Those he gathered from the lands, from the east and the west, from the north, and uh, literally it's, and from the sea. From the east and the west, from the north and from the ocean. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Tell their story. I like tell their story. We need to tell people that God has rescued us. We need to share our testimony of God's care and faithfulness. Uh, and what we've discovered of the Lord and what Israel has discovered of the Lord in verse 1 is that he is good and his love endures forever. Uh, commentators will point to the fact that the word translated here, love, uh, isn't love. It doesn't only mean love, it means love and much more than love. It's the most foundational word for the character of God in all of scripture. It's a Hebrew word which can't be translated by a single English word. Kesed or kesed in the Hebrew uh, it's used in the scriptures in the Old Testament 245 times, and of those, 127 times are in the Psalms. So the Psalms are reflections on God's, uh, not just love. Uh, let's give another bunch of words that could be used here. Hesed means God's loyalty, God's utter faithfulness. God's unchanging and consistent trustworthiness. God's complete truth. God's keeping of promise. God's unchanging commitment to rescue. God's kindness, loving kindness. God's steadfast, enduring and forever love. The psalmist tells us that Israel has worked out that their Lord is uniquely the only God, the only one worshipped, faithful, eternally to his world and to you as you trust him. This word is the opposite of words like temperamental, inconsistent, shifting, untrustworthy, deceitful, lying, malicious, 
absent, uncaring, disinterested. God is everything that is good. And that term is used throughout the psalm whenever you read the word love or faithful, that's what it is. This is a conviction um, in Scripture, which in the New Testament, this word, hesed, is translated with a cluster of words like grace, mercy, faithfulness, faith. Uh, There is no single word in English that does the job. Even though Israel experienced great agony at times, years of exile, the discipline of covenant cursing when they were disobedient, the psalmist and the scripture writers became convicted that God, the Lord, is utterly, absolutely, completely trustworthy, faithful forever, every day, every minute of every day, every second of every minute to you who trust him. When you think of ultimate reality, you don't think of nothing and you don't think of evil. You think of hesed. You think of this kind of God who rules the world in utter faithfulness. That's why God keeps delivering people when they cry out. Not because they're good, not because they deserve it, but because he is caring, utterly caring and faithful. That's the conclusion of the psalm in the first three verses. You get it stated, then you get it illustrated and exemplified. That's why we can rest in the Lord. That's why God is worthy of worship. That's why there is no other. Because God is like that always and has always been utterly reliable. And so when we're helpless, we're not lost. When we are surprised by life, which is tragic and overwhelming at times, what do we do? We cry out. And what does God do? He will deliver us. We wait for that. And what do we do? We say thank you. That's the pattern of human life. It's a pattern for life when life is really tough. It's a pattern for life that Jesus learned from the Psalms. This is how he lived. When he was in Gethsemane, when he was on the cross, what did he do? He cried out. And then he waited for deliverance. And then he gave thanks. We read the words of Philippians 4 earlier tonight. And that's one of, I think, the New Testament responses to a psalm like this. In every situation, Paul writes, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Ask God. And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, it's sort of more than a human can rationally claim, that will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Crying out is the most natural thing for a child to do, help. But perhaps in our cleverness and independence, uh, we make this more complicated than it ought to be. We need to learn to cry out and trust the Lord and wait 
So prayer ministries are crucial in our churches, and this year in 2023, uh, I hope there'll be more prayer ministries, more prayer chains, more prayer commitments, more prayer events when we cry out. Uh, at 11 o'clock now, one of our members, Judy, has been diagnosed with a brain tumour. Uh, the prognosis is not good. Uh, we're crying out. She's crying out. Her family are crying out. We'll see what the Lord does. And then we'll say thank you. I want to make three points about where prayer goes in Scripture for Christians who live this side of the cross. How do we pray? How do we cry out? So three points. First of all, we always cry out in keeping with the teachings of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. This is a daily prayer. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven our debtors. Lead us not into testing, temptation. Deliver us from evil. Jesus has given us a grounds from which to pray. Uh, and whatever we're pleading to the Lord for, we will do so in keeping with the Lord's prayer. Because the Lord's prayer starts with the Lord, not with my need. Our Father in heaven... Holy be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth in my life, in this area of need. As it is in heaven, give us this day whatever we're seeking. The Lord's Prayer is so important and uh, necessitates, I think, that we practice praying it every day, perhaps several times every day, every morning, every night. Uh, it's the foundation for Christian prayer. That's how the Lord taught his disciples to pray. Uh, it's a profound prayer, and it's significant for the second point because it starts with the words, Our Father, that it's a prayer for people who gather together. It's not a prayer for you on your own. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. The second point I want to make is when you cry out, you cry out with other people who cry out with you. Our desperation and our helplessness tend to isolate us at times and we find ourselves crying out perhaps by ourselves. That's great, but that's not enough. Ring a friend, get somebody to pop around, share your desperate need and get them to cry out as well with you. Crying out is a community event. It's a fellowship. It's a body of Christ. Uh, it's what Paul says if one member suffers, we all suffer together. If one member is honoured, we rejoice together. But if you're suffering and crying out, then get people to cry out with you. It's a taken for granted in Scripture that your Father is our Father. Your God is our God. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done is a prayer for a group of people who cry out together. Hopefully you've got at least one or two or three people in your church here that you can trust with anything and when you're crying out about that thing they know about it uh, we cry out together and the third thing uh, about christian prayer in the light of the scripture is that we cry out with the participation of the holy spirit uh, i love romans 8 26 
in the same way, Paul writes, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people according to the will of God. There is a dependency, as we are helpless in crying out, on God to cry out for us, with us, in us, on our behalf. And this is one of the great mysteries, I think, of Christian prayer. It's a prayer of participation with the Spirit. Not only with the Spirit, but with the Lord Jesus. So Jesus is at the right hand praying and interceding for you. The Spirit is in our hearts interceding for you. So the Spirit is praying through you to Jesus who represents you to the Father. This is a thoroughly Trinitarian exercise. Prayer is not you on your own or me on my own. And at times I haven't even got words. But the Spirit will groan. Um, Paul writes with wordless groans in the most desperate of moments. That's something I hope we're trying, working, practicing to experience. So here's three foundations, I think, for Christian prayer. One is we pray out of the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6. Two is we pray together with brothers and sisters we trust and love who cry out with us. When one suffers, we all suffer. Three is we cry out as participants in the Trinity, Spirit, Son, and Father, and your heart as you cry out. Pretty profound, and it's more than the psalmist knew, I think, in 107, but it's what Jesus came to invite us into from 107. I've been reading Naomi Reed's series of faith stories in Eternity magazine as they come out, and this one from a guy called Tom uh, captured my attention and is very relevant. I've used it a few times, but I don't think here. Tom migrated to Australia from Glasgow in 1929. He was seven at the time. He's 100 now because he's still with us on the earth, living in a nursing home in Oberon. Uh, this is what Tom told Naomi in that interview. He says, right now I'm going through the worst period in my life. I'm living in a nursing home. I can't see. I can't hear. I can't read. I can't walk. Sometimes I wonder why I'm still alive. I ask God why he doesn't take me. Sometimes it wears me down. I don't want to die, but I do want to die. And in the interview, he tells her about how 50 years ago, 50 years ago, his much-loved wife, Hazel, died. He's been living 50 years since her death. And then he continues, now my son has died. I've been in this nursing home for five years. Sometimes it feels dark in my mind. Last night was like that. I had a dark night and darkness felt worse than physical pain. But in the morning when I woke up, I thought, I have to hang on to Jesus. That's what the pastor from the Anglican Church says to me. He visits every Friday and he's the best thing in my life at the moment. He reads the Bible to me and he talks with me. It really helps. 
I know he's right. I have to hang on to Jesus. I've been better since he's been son of the cool. I often wonder why God allows suffering and I worry about my two daughters. But I believe in Jesus. I believe in heaven. And I pray every night to Jesus. I know God listens to me. I know he hears me when I pray. That's Psalm 107. <laughs> Life is not easy for Tom. He feels helpless. He doesn't know what tomorrow holds. He cries out. And God's deliverance has come to him, no doubt in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, but also in the visiting of a local pastor who opens the Bible and reads because he can't read anymore and prays and no doubt talks with him loudly so he can hear. And he hangs on to Jesus and every night he prays and he knows God listens and he waits the next day and trusts Jesus. That's Psalm 107. It's very simple, <laughs> but we are disciples who keep learning that, I think, over and over again. Let me finish with the words of 1 to 3. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. Uh, by the way, the, the Hebrew word for good can be translated beautiful, uh, which I like. Uh, give thanks to the Lord, for he's beautiful. he is beautiful. It's a general word that picks up the beauty before us here in the flowers today. His utter loyalty, steadfast love, loving kindness, complete unchanging faithfulness endures forever. Let those that the Lord has rescued tell their story. Those that he has saved from the enemy, those that he has gathered from all over the world, from deserts and oceans, from foreign lands, from trackless wastes, from sickness, from death, from loneliness, from darkness. Let them tell their story like Tom has done for us in that lovely interview. Let's pray and uh, welcome to 2023 and to the uh, challenge of faith. Father, we thank you for Psalm 107. That's a beautiful word. Um, and you are a beautiful Lord. Your loving kindness endures forever. And we can think tonight of people who are really, really doing it not just here in Australia, but in nations around the world where there is violence, injustice, poverty, civil war, corrupt government. And uh, we bring Psalm 107 to them too in our prayers that they might learn of you as they cry out that you would bring your deliverance, you would wait for it, and then give thanks. So bless Alive at Five tonight, this year to come. Uh, bless those on Zoom and those here in the room, uh, those who are absent away on holidays still. Uh, may Psalm 107 be our experience of you this year. And may we be wise and heed its words today in Jesus' name.